1: Happy crowd. It's, these people are crazy. No, I, I think I know why you're happy. <laughs> because if Los Angeles gets nuked, we don't have to host the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic will be easy. No. no, are you nervous? People are nervous. People are nervous ev- everywhere, not just here. Bill Cosby today sedated himself. <laughs> people are. N- <laughs> I mean, honestly, between the nasty tweets and the threatening statements and the escalating rhetoric, I mean, tensions are spinning out of control. And that's just between Trump and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> 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 but here's a little perspective. Now, uh, the nuclear age began, uh, I think this week, it was August, right around this time <laughs> in 1945. what did you think I was gonna say? Uh, when we dropped two bombs called Fat Man and Little Boy. And this week, it came full circle with a different Fat Man and Little Boy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, if you haven't read about it, are trying to see who has the bigger micro penis. I mean, that's what this is all about, isn't it? I mean, this whole conflict could be resolved by two hookers willing to lie. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, I just think, someday these two assholes are gonna bump into each other at the hair club for tyrants. (laughs) And they're gonna realize, you know what? We're not so different, you and I. We both get out of our golden bed in the morning and... Put on our elastic waistband pants, one, <laughs> one pudgy leg at the time. And, but uh, Kim Jong-un, if you're watching, and I know he's a big HBO fan, <laughs> not the blockbusters, Treme he loved. I, I, <laughs> John from Cincinnati wanted to bring that back. He's crazy. Anyway, uh, I just want to say to Kim, if you're watching, Dennis Rodman lives here. Here in LA. And <laughs> this Rodman lives here. He's your friend. Maybe your only friend. And he lives here. He lives right at Newport Beach. Don't fuck with this area. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> just to be safe, since it is Los Angeles, it's in the crosshairs, the government is telling us, Angelinos, we should prepare an emergency survival kit. Just the essentials a week's worth of cronuts, <laughs> a selfie stick, and a <laughs> fidget spinner. Just the essentials, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Okay, but you know, th- it's, it's amazing that uh, a week ago we weren't thinking about this on this level. This all started because it was revealed that North Korea succeeded in miniaturizing a nuclear bomb that they could be placed on a missile. And now that they have mastered that, uh, they're gonna try to figure out how to grow food. <laughs> So, you know, once that news got out, Trump responded in his usual thoughtful, poisey way. And he said, North Korea best not make any more threats or they'll be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. (laughs) Oh. Hey, Mother of Dragons, we get it. You're a badass with nuclear weapons. Of course, knowing this administration, the launch code is probably password. <laughs> <laughs> also, they've changed the hats. It says, uh, Make America Glow Again. That was worrisome to me, but... Wow. <laughs> wow, she says. <laughs> I tell you, only Donald Trump could start World War III while he's on vacation. <laughs> It's, it's easy to forget that all this saber rattling is happening from a golf club. It's Caddyshack meets Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, by the way, General Kelly, great fucking job keeping Trump under control. That really worked out well. General Kelly, ah, oh, you did a great job. No, it was left to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who, (laughs) six months ago, was head of ExxonMobil. This is the guy now I'm I'm counting on to stop the world from blowing (laughs) up. Left to him to try and walk things back. Rex Tillerson said the other day, this is a quote, he said, I think Americans should sleep well at night. (laughs) I have no concerns about this particular rhetoric of the last few days. Yeah, that's comforting. In other words, (laughs) nothing to see here, people. President, what does this button do? (laughs) Was just talking out his ass again. I mean, how close does this toddler have to get to the stove before the parents, the Republican Party, pick him up? (laughs) <laughs> By the way, I love this. While all this is going on this week, Trump, from his vacation establishment, uh, got into the opiate debate. He said he's going to end this. De- he said the opiate <laughs> epidemic is a national emergency. And the opiate epidemic said, right back at you, big guy. <laughs> all right, we got a great show. Fareed Zakaria, John, Mitchum, are uh, <laughs> uh, here in a little bit speaking with the Big Bang Theory's incredibly talented Jim Parsons. But... First up, he's a neuroscientist, author, and atheist whose new book is Science and the Soul, Selected Writings of a Passionate Rationalist. I am proud to call him my friend, Richard Dawkins! Hey, Richard! How are you, Professor? Great to see you. Oh, of course. All right, first of all, I have to tell you, I love the title of this book, Science and the Soul, because, you know, it makes you go, what? What? Well that's the point. Yes. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. So tell us what you why you put soul in a book from such a famous rationalist and scientist.
2: And obviously I don't mean soul in the sense of immortal soul. Soul Well, we're Americans. Nothing's yeah. obvious. <laughs> soul is the is the catch in the throat when you look up at the Milky Way. It's the yeah. it's the swelling in the chest that you get when you listen to a Schubert quartet or read a Shakespeare sonnet. I'm fed up with religion hijacking the soul in this sense. They sometimes say to me, you're an atheist, how can you appreciate Beethoven? As though it has anything to do with it. (laughs) Really? That's what people say? I've had
1: that, yes. That's ridiculous. Well, I know people say to me all the time, why can't we reconcile science and faith? And uh, you know, we went through this with George Bush when he said we should teach evolution as well as creationism side yes. by side but teach you, the controversy. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> right, that's what they call it. You, you really can't have, have it both ways can you? Faith is the very
2: opposite of science. Faith is belief in something without evidence. Right. Science insists all the time on evidence. It's based upon evidence, logical reasoning from evidence. Faith and science are completely incompatible.
1: You'd think that would be non-controversial, but uh, I I know throughout history you have people who don't care for science, don't believe in science, have no use for it. It seems like nowadays it's seen as something that is actually threatening. People are are literally hostile to
2: it. Well, very much so, and and you see this in the climate change uh, debate sure. for e- example, yeah. and you see, various Trump in- is very Catholic churchy, <laughs> <laughs> v- various um, intellectuals who are more or less anti-science and, and extolling the virtues of personal opinion, subjective opinion as opposed to objective truth, and that's been giving, being given a sort of stamp of, of approval by some academic disciplines.
1: Yeah, I, I know you are fighting this with something, I think it's called the Teacher Institute for Evolutionary Science. Yes. So you, you actually are teaching people how to go into schools and teach evolutionary biology. Well, that's biology. right. Uh,
2: um, it's, it's run by a marvelous woman called Bertha Vasquez in, in Florida who is a teacher. And the, the, the rationale is that middle school teachers uh, have to teach science and they can teach other parts of science. But when it comes to evolution, they meet hostility from parents, from children, and so they don't dare do it. And so they need to be taught how to teach evolution. So what Bertha does is to run workshops for middle school teachers and prime them, arm them, with how to teach evolution, how to answer the various ridiculous objections that they're going to meet, for example.
1: But when you meet ridiculous objections, they come from ridiculous people. I know. And I don't, I've never seen a case where logic swayed them. No, but um, these, these, these.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's that. (laughs) I I once got into trouble and indeed I was sued for $51 million for saying that people who don't believe in evolution are either ignorant, stupid, or insane. Now, that was taken as an insult, but actually, of course, it's a simple statement of fact. <laughs> <because> <laughs> it, it, really, it really is, uh, because by far the most important member of that little trilogy is ignorant. Right. We're all ignorant of something. We're all ignorant of- We're all ignorant it, of most things. We're all ignorant of most things. I'm certainly ignorant of baseball. Uh, and it's something that I would like to remedy, and right. so somebody can tell
1: me about it. I so, could. Uh, <laughs> these Let's start people... with the infield fly rule. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, another one of your projects. I know you rescue bloggers, secular bloggers. This is mostly.
2: From yes, this Islamic is something countries. done by the Center for Inquiry, which is the, the organization sure. that my foundation has just merged with. It's called Secular Rescue. And uh, there are a number of people in mostly Islamic countries who are in danger of their lives because they are blogging secularism, freethinking, atheism, Bangladesh, Pakistan, places like that. And what the Secular Rescue Programme does is we don't actually do a scarlet pimpernel. We don't go rushing in with sort of chariots and seize them. Um, <laughs> but we do provide money and we do provide documents and find them places to go in Europe or America. Uh, and and that's
1: something that's actually happening. I mean, that's yes. something that we can't, uh, people can't argue with. Uh, there is an underground railroad, basically, yes. what you're yeah. providing here for people who just want to blog about secular thoughts in the Muslim world. Yes. And yet, you, like I, was disinvited for an event. We have at, that in common. Yes, yeah. we do. We do. <laughs> at, <laughs> At, a badge uh, of honour. At, at, at the school that, that 50 years ago ha, uh, was known most for free speech, free Berkeley. Speech. yes. Now, yes. it was... It, it, <laughs> let's not get into that. I don't know whether he's for us or against us. Let's not ask. Uh, but the, I don't want to give them too much publicity because they don't deserve it, but a radio station, yep. you were going to do an interview to promote your book, and uh, I won't name them. They don't deserve it. They're horrible. But here's what they said. Uh, we cancelled the book event. We didn't know that Hugh had offended and hurt in his tweets and other comments on Islam so many people. We don't endorse hurtful speech. We emphatically support serious free speech. Obviously fucking not. But we do not support abusive speech. They don't know what the word abusive means. No. And obviously they don't understand the concept that sometimes the truth hurts. What is In a university going on? of all places, yes. And not the only one in this country that's going crazy no, that's like right. this. that's right. A, a, it's an
2: epidemic that's going on of, of, of people running scared from open speech, running scared of anybody who might come along and say something that poor little diddums find offensive. What do they think a university is for? I know. Uh, So so
1: what is the... uh, How are we going to shovel our way out of this mess? Because these are the people who are on our side. That's the problem. That's
2: what I wanted to say. Um, I think that this radio station and these universities, they're on our side, we're on their side. Now I was deplatformed specifically because of what I what I was alleged to have said about Islam. I think that the 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 reason they did it was probably a laudable motive. They are on the side of oppressed minorities. They think that Muslims are an oppressed minority, oppressed by people like us. Actually, of course, Muslims are oppressed by Islam. Exactly. That's That's right.
1: Yes. And criticism of a religion is not the same thing as bigotry. Of course it's not. You know, I went through this with the Catholic church 10 years ago, they wanted to throw me off television and they were like, you're anti-Catholic. I'm not anti-Catholic, I'm anti-child fucking. Yes. <laughs> and I'm gonna point out who's guilty yeah. of that. And That's, I'm, I'm not- I'm not Islamophobic, no. I'm anti-keeping women instead of second class citizens. Exactly,
2: and throwing gay people off buildings. Yes, and, 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 and of course, we're not saying they all do that. No. And the ones it, who who don't are being persecuted by the ones who do. That's where the persecution comes from. Okay. So they, these people have identified the wrong victims of persecution. Right. It's laudable that they're on the side of
1: people who are victims of persecution, but they've got the wrong persecutors. You know why? No one reads a newspaper anymore. No, that's if right. it doesn't come through. <laughs> Least of all the president. On your. F- <laughs> <laughs> All right, what a great way to end. Richard Dawkins, thank you very much. I love you, sir. I appreciate you coming by. Richard Dawkins Get his new book. All right, let's meet our panel. Oh, look who's here. Okay, here they are. He is the Pulitzer Prize winning author of American Lion, Andrew Jackson in the White House, available now in paperback. I call him the Meech, John Meacham. (laughs) What (laughs) of that. And he's a Washington Post columnist and host of CNN's Fareed Zakaria, GPS. Y'all know Fareed Zakaria. Okay. What an all-star panel. It's like it's my birthday. Okay, boys, now I, <laughs> I know that right away we should probably talk about North Korea. And by the way, uh, Kim Jong-un, if you're tuning in late, <laughs> uh, Dennis Rodman does live here in Los <laughs> Angeles area. It's very nearby, you'd kill him. You'd kill your only friend and saw what you did to your uncle, so you know, okay. Good, good news is uh, we're not in Guam. No, we're not, <laughs> we're not in Guam, yeah. I'd be shitting my pants there. Okay. <laughs> so everybody seems to be saying the same thing about North Korea, so let me come out of left field and give the uh, contrarian view. Um, Trump is a madman, he's saying crazy things. What if it works? <laughs> what if madman versus madman? I mean, we've had a, a, no good policy toward this
3: problem for 20 years through many administrations of both parties. Well, if by by it working, you mean that Trump saying what he's saying will get the North Koreans to actually denuclearize, I would give him the Nobel Prize. I think that is highly, highly, highly unlikely (laughs) to happen. (laughs) I think that the North Koreans... Look, if you look at it from North Korea's point of view, they feel totally embattled, they feel surrounded by, by, you know, enemies or friends that don't care much for them. The, the, the most powerful country in sounds the world...
1: Like, sounds like Trump, <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
3: yeah. the, the most powerful country in the world, the United States, has constantly said it wants to, you know, change the regime and, and in some way they'll destroy the country. If you were in that situation, you'd want to buy insurance. And in the world of international relations, insurance is nuclear weapons. So Trump, by being more bellicose, by threatening more, is actually, to my mind, making them stick even more closely to these nuclear weapons. Why are they going to give them up when, you know, he's making it clear, look, we're going to attack you. And what they keep saying is, well, guess what? We've got nukes. And, you know, you don't tend to attack people with nukes. Mm
0: -hmm. He's incentivizing their hawkishness. Because why does someone want nuclear weapons? They want to be members of a club that only has nine members. From 1945 to today, so for 70-something years, we basically averaged one country every eight years joins the club. Right? There are only nine. United States, Great Britain, Israel, China, Pakistan. I'm going to miss a couple. Israel. Uh, And uh, what we're really looking at here is the elemental... Primal drive of a regime to have the same amount of respect on the world stage as those other, other nine powers, and so when you bait them, and that was baiting, I think he thought he was being Churchill, and but he sounded a little bit more like a.
1: He doesn't actually know. Who I that think that he is, thought but. he was being Jean Claude Van
3: Damme. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Look, and the chances, uh, and, the, and here's, here's, the, here's the danger. It seems to me, John is exactly right. The, the, I don't know which is worse. Either he's bluffing or he's not. The chances are he's bluffing. Does he bluffing. know? Right. His, 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 his whole life, he's yes, made he's empty a, threats, absolutely. right? I mean, it's like He'll I forget I, it I, next week. I agree. Exa- you know, and, and in a way, he right. really thinks that you know, nobody will remember. I said, I, I'm going to tell you this amazing stuff about Obama's birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, right. Nothing. I'm going to recognize Taiwan. Nothing. I'm going to get Mexico to pay for the wall. Nothing. And he just moves on. But this is okay. different. But the danger is. What if he's not bluffing and what if, you know, one of the things I worry about is, we know all he does is watch cable news. What if he's watching us and he says, I'm gonna show Bill Maher and Fareed Zakaria <laughs> and I'm gonna go to war. It's like, I want to miss Mr. President, if you're watching layoff, you know what? Okay, no, it I, I'd be happy to be humiliated. Just don't start a nuclear war to prove me wrong. The Dennis,
0: PGA tournament. Well, or you could just say the PGA tournament's on the golf channel, right. it's really good, sir. <laughs>
1: Okay, so I must tell you, my bigger fear—I uh, <laughs> am afraid of North Korea attacking us. Besides my Armageddon, my, my, right? My bigger fear. fear is we're becoming North Korea. Can I give you a few examples <laughs> sure. from this week? Okay, Jeff Sessions under attack uh, rose strongly to have a press conference this week about leaks, okay. media leaks, which no one cares about. It was a press conference for one person, right, Donald Trump. When, when state government is functioning that way, when you're doing a, a yeah. press conference to be seen by just the dear leader. Okay, uh, we found out from Vice News this week that Trump gets a flattery folder twice a day. <laughs> yeah. Did you saw the, uh, yeah. At, at yeah. 9.30 yeah. in the morning, and then at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. It's like a Snickers for
3: the <laughs> ego. <laughs> He, he, he gets—he right. he forgoes the, the, the daily intelligence briefing, which he barely gets, but he gets the daily flattery report. Right. It's like something out of The Lion King. Right? right? It's, so, I mean, it's just—it <laughs> just has like good clippings and then just pictures of him looking strong. <laughs> Okay. Did you see Putin one upped him with the with the picture of Whoa. Putin bare chested? Oh, fishing? I got that coming
1: like,
0: later okay. in the show. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. It is government by Instagram and how many right. likes you get. I mean, <laughs> yes, it it's, really is.
1: Country is okay. So then uh, we found out almost half the Republicans in the country are willing to postpone the 2020 election, if we find out that illegal immigrants are voting, which we know, factually, they don't, hasn't happened, but he put that in the water the day after the inauguration. And now there's a commission to find it out, so his drooling idiots will believe anything. So, okay, we're talking about canceling elections. Uh, we found out last week the voting machines can be hacked in less than an hour. Right. Uh, he thanked Putin our president thanked Putin for, for expelling 750 American diplomats from Russia. And the coup de gras. I thought, Fox News op-ed by Chris Steyerwalt. Not familiar with him, but I don't watch Fox News. Would you even care if he was guilty? There it is. That's the headline. He says, the stock market's up. Unemployment's down. The economy seems to be picking up steam. Streets are safe. The nation is mostly secure. Does it matter whether or not the president is a crook? So we started with, we had no contact with the Russians. Then we went to, oh, okay, but no collusion. Then, okay, collusion, <laughs> but collusion isn't a crime. Now we've come all the way to, is it such a crime to commit a crime? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know, the, the, the. This is what I worry about. <laughs> yeah. What I have called the slow moving coup. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the thing about postponing the election is at the risk of self-parody. One of the greatest moments in American history, I think, is the fact that we had an election in 1864 with half the country in an armed state of treasonous rebellion. And people said to Lincoln, you shouldn't do it. And he said, "If if we cancel or even postpone a free election, then those in rebellion will have already won and we therefore had <laughs> What Shelby Foote called the crossroads of our being, the great existential moment of, of American life, which I think we're living in another existential moment for all the reasons the catalog of horrors, uh, the basket of deplorables. Uh, <laughs> and that Foote, was just this week. That, oh, no. That, that was Thursday, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you know one, of the, one of the great tells about Trump, you said, well, we'll remember it next week. Whenever he says next week, you know he's making it up because he'll say, I wouldn't have more on that next week well (laughs) the longest weeks in cosmic history
3: you know the the thing that worries me is as as part of this is the 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 polarization is now of a different kind so we we did the special on Trump why Trump won right yeah and what we found was the the voters the Trump voters why were they sticking with him you'd say well he's not particularly conservative on a lot of issues it didn't matter ideology was irrelevant he hasn't got anything done it didn't matter. Competence wasn't important. It was essentially a kind of tribal identification that said, we so hate these, you know, urban, overeducated elites that us. that tell us, yeah, exactly us, <laughs> that tell us, you know, that. You, exactly, 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 exactly. That's, that's- and. and <laughs> exactly <laughs> We are going to stick with this guy... Luckily, Hillary wasn't that, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And we're going to stick with this guy no matter what. We'll stick with him to the end rather than... There's never going to be a point where a Trump voter says, you know what? The New York Times' version of Donald Trump was right, and I was wrong. That ain't gonna happen. (laughs) Well,
1: speaking of New York Times, here's Ross Douthat this week. He was talking about our recent history, and he said, other than when Obama was on the ballot, because Obama was an exceptional politician, he said, a party that's terrible at governing, I'm guessing he means the Republicans, (laughs) can still win elections if the other party is worse at politics. And I feel like that's the problem we're in. The Democrats are horrible, at politics.
0: And the ideal, the ideal of the American experiment was that these would not be separate states. They would be s- different realms with a very porous border. Good politics is often good governing and vice versa. And we have, it really in the last 50 years, I'd say, certainly since the end of the Roosevelt era, we have managed to break these apart into where campaigning and the permanent campaign is a perpetual game of now cable news paintball. It's just whatever... (laughs) You just... Whatever it is, you shoot them and you hope you hit them. And (laughs) it is is dissociated from the actual work of governance. Great politicians govern well. Ronald Reagan, you can disagree all day long with what he did. But he understood that there was a connection between what he said and what he had to do to govern. He understood there was a connection between his life experience, which was being a labor negotiator out here, and being president. And so, with Trump, it's about entertainment. I mean, it's, we're all trapped on an endless loop of The Apprentice. But he has... It's, you know, it, it, but, but he has... And I want to be fired, and nobody... <laughs> well, uh, 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 uh,
3: uh, 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 or you, or, or you, you really want to fire him, but well, you yes, don't know true, how to, yes, know, to As able- ever, Fareed <laughs> be but better. But I feel like there's one piece that Trump has ta- tapped into, and Republicans do very well, which is this sense that they're the, the, the victims of this liberal elite that is governing. And I think yeah. to myself, you've got the White House, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and almost two-thirds of state legislatures, and you're the, 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 you know, the oppressed minority. You're, you're running the damn country. But How can is... everything be going so badly if you're in charge? Because the head
1: guy is a whiny <laughs> little bitch. Okay, I've certainly trained down well on that. One. All right, so, you know, among the myriad things that Trump makes bad, bad, he knows two words, sad, bad, (laughs) is that he constantly emboldens the wrong people. Certainly overseas, he loves dictators, but here at home, this is happening this weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, look at this. Readies for a white nationalist rally on Sunday. Apparently, they're so emboldened, they are all meeting the biggest one they've had in decades. The alt-right, the KKK, white supremacists, neo-Nazis. It's a veritable rainbow coalition of white trash. Uh, and <laughs> we, uh, we're calling it Cracker Cella. And. Uh, uh, They've got some great stuff lined up. They've got seminars. Would you like to hear some of the bands that are playing at Cracket Children? Okay. Uh, even Whiter Snake is playing there. And <laughs> <laughs> the, the Talking Hoods are, are terrific. Uh, MZ Himmler is on the bill. Uh, <laughs> Mike and the Eugenics. <laughs> uh, men Not at Work are there. Uh, uh, Blondie is playing there. Oh, wait, that's Milo. Uh, Earthwind and Fuhrer are... <laughs> and, of course, Ted Nugent. And, um... They also have some seminars, uh, for the people there, like, uh, How to Be an Anti-Semite and Still Love Seinfeld. Uh... <laughs> the Importance of Spell-Checking Your Tattoo. <laughs> Plastic Surgery for Supremacists. How to be genetically superior when genetics let you down. (laughs) Uh, Tracing the roots of American jazz all the way back to Kenny G. (laughs) Only you can prevent Forrest Whitaker. (laughs) Uh, Why penis size doesn't matter to women. Reserve early. Spots fill up quickly. (laughs) And of course, if we're the superior race, why do we all work at Denny's? <laughs> okay, he is the supernova of the Big Bang Theory and executive producer and narrator of the new documentary series, First in Human, airing Thursdays at nine on Discovery. Jim Parsons, everybody. There he is. How are you, sir? What a pleasure to meet. Be- oh yeah, no, no. I've wanted to meet you for a long time, and I know we have a lot of serious things to discuss, yes. but first off, I just have to say, your show, always funny, always oh, on you. always on the plane. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you cannot take a plane no, ride in America. No, we have a
4: captive audience on many <laughs> airlines, and we have used and abused them for a decade now. Well,
1: you know, I just want to say, for, uh, we live in an era where uh, entertainment is so fragmented. Yeah. So to, to be part of something, that I, yeah. is that much of a broad hit. I
4: agree. I agree.
1: You agree? You're great. No, but that's not <laughs> what I'm
4: saying. I'm saying that it is well, fantastic that anything could be yes. shared amongst some people. Not everybody loves it, that's fine. But it could be shared amongst uh, different generations. It's funny, it's you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it's a hip show in an old format. Yeah. You know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's uh, And that's quite a baller contract you have. It's, I've, people have done worse. It's a lot of
0: money, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. what do you do with all that money, Jim? I'm here talking to you as
4: an elite. I don't know, (laughs) I don't know.
1: But I know you're, you know, you're, you're really a very curious guy and you do this podcast, I've heard it many times and it's called, you know, Jim Parsons is too stupid for politics, which is, Truth in advertising. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Enough true. But why do you say that? I mean, I well, get, for, I get thing, for the premise yeah. of the show, so yes. you can be explained stuff. I wanted
4: it to be... Obviously, it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but right. look, when I really wanted to do it, I wanted it to be, Jim Parsons is too stupid to vote, and they were... It was coming right after the election, and they were like, we don't want to talk about voting. Right. We just, so, but I kind of meant that, and what I meant was really the level and the volume of, of, of the discussion is so loud that I realized how many things I really don't know what the hell we're talking about when we when you break it down like um, we recently had a show about NATO and I still sure. can't really tell you exactly what it is but I know better than I did and I thought it was a good example of something that you hear about and you're like oh your whole life you grew up with something like NATO NATO and then you're like Wait a minute, what is that? But Why that, do we
1: care? That's the fault of the educational system. I and, agree and you know with what? you.
4: I agree that the are not even and... a millennial, right? You're. Oh, my. I'm nearly as old as you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry. Finish, finish your thought. I thought it was a way to connect. I didn't realize no, no, how horrible it No, Keep of it going sound. with this. No, uh, I mean, no, no. I feel. I mean, I wish that were, we're true. We're Xers, but... right? Or... No, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Xers. No, no, you are Generation X. I was just reading yeah. there's an article about him in Vanity Fair this week. It's pretty interesting about how they're they're saying that the, the, the last generation with a... <laughs> even a toehold hold back to reality. <laughs> really? Yes, but look, uh, even yeah. when I went to high School, the rot had already set in. Yeah. They, like in history, they were teaching mini-courses. They weren't teaching, you will appreciate it. They were not teaching like, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Yeah. That's called history. Yeah. If they did that, you'd know what the fuck NATO was.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you but gotta you even teach know, things that as first. Basic as how people get elected and what it means to be on a school board and what it means to grow up from that and go to the city council and the what the hell ever. Right. See exactly. Um,
3: <laughs> do, but you do, know. Do you remember this moment where Trump, uh, when after the House of Representatives passed the health care bill, Trump held this big celebration in the Rose Garden. Yeah. And I think he thought the bill had passed. Yeah. I think he didn't. He didn't know it has to go to the Senate. <laughs> he 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 thinks. Uh, what executive you, orders. executive ex- orders. Executive
1: orders yeah.
0: are Law. laws. Yeah, and he, he signs them on those Trump Tower <laughs> Cafe <menus>. Yeah, <laughs> You know, then, know what I mean, that oh, leather bound? Yeah. No, a wine list,
4: sir. <laughs> <laughs> a wine list for you. They really are the biggest things I've ever seen. They really are. The, Which, yes. his hand, says a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
4: so... <laughs> I don't know what? what's happened to me. I didn't want to come out here. What's happening? No. Okay. <laughs>
1: It's, What's happening is I'm going to talk to you about yeah. one serious subject, because I know okay. it's very close to your heart and your show on the Discovery Channel. Yes. The, the secrets of Building 10. Yeah. Tell us what Building 10 is, because this 10, is fascinating, and this is something I didn't know. Which so is insane
4: happen- to me, which is one of the reasons I'm so happy to be a part of it. It's it's uh, Building 10 is a building uh, that's part of the National Institutes of Health. It's the largest clinical research hospital in the world. We founded it. Harry Truman, uh, President Truman, was like brought the cornerstone for it in the er- in the early 50s, and this is a place where people with incurable diseases go and they both obviously really hope for a cure that they'll find but they're really volunteering themselves for study and they go into hospital rooms that right across the hall are laboratories where they're doing minute-by-minute research on these people and testing new things on them and and monitoring them and I was I was awed by the whole process and the bravery of people to put themselves in that position, number one. But number Wait, two... they have
1: incurable diseases.
4: Yeah, yes, and so so well, this is their last brave. hope. Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, I, I mean, hear you. I, I mean, oh. I, it's, 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 it's,
1: it's, I never understand.
4: <laughs> but it is a level of we're going to pinch and poke at you, but in a good way, they care.
1: Because you're going to die if we don't. Okay. Okay. Here's the... <laughs> I mean, why do we have to always? <laughs> Is it the brain? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. that the problem? Yes. It's yeah, like, like yeah, it's fine, like, fine, it's like, fine. you know, he bravely battled no, cancer. Okay. What the well, I, like? I give up. Now, you now, got on, me cancer. Hold on. Hold on. Well, let
4: me tell you, brave. Okay. Okay. You know, so there's a lot. Listen to me, real <laughs> quick. There's a lot of <laughs> doctors across the country that discourage <laughs> their patients from going here because they think that they're volunteering to be poked in a, like a cynical way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cynical way. All right. Let me bring oh, it. That's bring, not right. Can but, you help? You're a doctor. But if they're doing it ironically, that's wrong.
4: I don't like being here. I've decided to. you know, <laughs> I'm
1: not watching anymore. No, 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 no. Let, let me, <laughs> off the DVR. No, no. Let no, me will no, be back.
3: Let me bring us together with Donald Trump. Yeah. The National Institute <laughs> for Health yes. is really one of the, the incredible jewels of the American system. I mean, Absolutely. It's amazing what we've done the Trump budget has a 5 billion dollar cut uh in it. I yeah. mean this is an extraordinary yeah. this is something we do that's a that's a gift to science it's a gift to the world it's a gift to to America particularly for health but I mean, that's a huge uh, I mean the thing goes from 31 billion to 26 billion dollars. It's the largest cut they would, I mean they would be decimated.
1: We by spent it. more on golf carts for him this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> that costs a lot to protect the golfing he does. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Okay. So um let me ask about your, you're a, a, an American, right? Very much so. Okay. <laughs> um, and did you ever do a podcast about immigration and, and that issue, that way you, you wanted we, to learn more? Because you're gonna learn more now.
4: It w- we know No, I'm are. happy, we touched on it when get, when, the, when the ban happened and the, when he first came into Okay. Office. so yeah. so
1: um, you wrote an interesting article, basically saying, and it gets at a bigger issue, which I'm always trying to get at, which is how can Democrats ever win a damn election again? <laughs> And you talk about immigration, and you say, there's a perfect example of an issue, uh, I think from 2012 to 2016, had the most flip, right? Yep. <clears throat> okay. And that the Democrats are sort of absolutist on it, and they're losing that middle ground. So you can probably explain it better than I can. Sure.
3: Look, there's, first of all, there's the, the substance of the issue, which is, there has been a lot of illegal immigration into the country. There's no question those illegal immigrants do depress the wages of working men and women in the United States who are citizens. I mean, it just stands to reason, right, if that's, that, that that's happening. Secondly, there's been a lot of legal immigration. In 1970, the number of foreign-borns in the United States was about 4.5%. It's now about 14%. So that's a big shift to take in and to digest. Worthy of a debate worthy of a debate and worthy of talking about, well, how would you assimilate better? What are the issues? Democrats, I think, partly because they decided that they were going to chase this idea of the kind of the great Hispanic majority that is emerging, decided to become completely absolutist on it. And I think they're missing the point there are a lot of Americans who are, who are ready to listen to the Democrats on the economic message. All the, the data shows this. But they think the Democrats don't get them on some of these cultural issues, this would be a perfect one to have some kind of a, you know, a reasonable open debate and talk about more assimilation. I'm not sure
1: I get them, and I do read the paper. <laughs> but, yes, I understand why people who don't even read the paper look at the Democrats on this issue and just think that their policy is come one, come all, right. that right. they live in this cult of celebrating right. diversity, right. and right. also they think that, you know, oh, the more Latinos who come here and they vote illegally... Right. Because they don't check that out. We're
0: going to postpone that. Right. (laughs) Because of all Uh, that, they're going to be at the Incurables Hospital. (laughs) But but it also plays into a perennial tendency. Uh, You can pick and choose founders' quotes for these things. But even Alexander Hamilton, who apparently sang this at the Constitutional (laughs) Committee, um, (laughs) said that you have to be careful about immigrants who might not adapt to the national spirit. Uh, you had moments after... Which the, we call values now. Well, in the, mm-hmm. the revolutions of 1848, which I know you want to talk about at length. I do. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a, a crackdown. Uh, there, after the Bolshevik Revo- Revolution, there was a crackdown. Uh, we have just been ambivalent about the numbers of folks that we've wanted to, to allow in at, at, at different times. And so it's, it's not racist to debate Immigration, and unfortunately, because I think the rhetoric on the Republican side has gone so far, it feels that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, and you also quote this guy Samuel Huntington in the article, uh, who says, "That's a great quote, isn't it?" Would America be America if it wasn't founded by British Protestants? Protestants,
3: If it was founded by the French, the Spanish, or the Portuguese? He says, "If if 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 America were founded not by British dissenting Protestants." but by French Catholics or, or Spanish Catholics or Portuguese Catholics, would it be America? He says, no, it would be Quebec or Mexico or Brazil, right? That, right. That, that that it's not just the ideas. There is a kind of culture that binds us together. And it's important to try to ask, how do we make sure immigrants buy into so, that culture? So
1: if we ask questions about Muslim immigration, it. it we would like it to be people like right. Dr. Dawkins and myself, not to just looked upon as, well, that has to be a racist reason for that. It's not a, first of all, it's not a race, right. it's a religion. Right. Uh, but we're talking about those
3: shared well, think, values. Right, I right. think anyone right. coming in, you'd want to say, how do you make sure that they, and part of what has happened is on the left, there's been a kind of multiculturalism that says, everything is equal, all, all these other cultures are equal. And look, I can say as an immigrant, if I wanted to to maintain Indian culture, I could have stayed in India. Right? Right. I, the reason right. I came to America was because yes. I admired American culture.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And
1: it, I used, yeah. right. the first things
3: it's, I said on my old show is, if you're going to come
1: to the melting pot, melt a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta melt a little. <laughs> yeah. you that, know? that is more. You that is more. It, yeah. Than, you than can't take a, a driver's license to. photo, a photo in a burqa. We have to yeah. see your yeah.
0: face. I feel that way about. I feel that way about leaving Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, anyway, and, but they have Jack Daniels you can cross the state line. Yeah. But the point is, uh, no, there, there was a, um, one of someone who agrees to some, some degree with, with Huntington's argument is a historian we both know, Gordon Wood, who pointed out, at least for the first time in my reading experience, that America is not an ethnic nation. It's not a religious nation. It's not a tribal nation. It is devoted to an idea. Uh And an idea that was best articulated in one of the most important sentences ever written in the English language by a man who lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, where that awful rally is taking place, that all men are created equal. He did not... Jefferson did not include everyone in that sentence. But the story of America is the expansion of that sentence. Mm. The ever-unfolding, however slow, however tragic inclusion of meaning and that's the american story we we actually have made progress a lot of other nations have not and the other problem about immigration interesting thing about immigration is people aren't trying to leave for god's sake they're trying to come in and so we have to be doing
1: something right right okay <clears throat> um i have one more question before we run out of time which is uh some democrats now are saying that the russia does not test well for them. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. No, no. Uh, Gavin Newsom is here next week. I'm a big fan of his. But he's one of the people who said it, and I want to argue with him about it. Because this, to me, is the problem Democrats have, to get to your larger issue about Democrats. They chase polls. Republicans don't do that. Republicans change polls. They're never intimidated by them. Russia doesn't test well. Make it test well because it's not over. It's an ongoing story. I don't even know why we need Bob Mueller. Don Jr. took a meeting after he got a a memo, an email, from the Russians saying, we got dirt, let's work together on this election. I don't, you know, the Democrats act like, Unless it would hold up in a court of law, you can't... And the Republicans are like, fuck that. This is the court of public opinion. How about Don Jr. is a traitor already? You know, they sent him this email. Look at me getting all excited. I'm
4: glad. It's really inspiring.
1: But They they sent him this email, if you don't remember, that said, we have dirt on Hillary Clinton, and he sent back, I love it. That's the crime already. If you sent me an email that said, I have child porn, and I wrote back, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see what you have. That's already the and and his and his keep keep me
3: I don't think Hold you my hand. control. No,
1: I
0: think you're going to be fine. Are
3: you going to work through this?
0: It. I like the pounding. That's good. And
3: okay. the defense is it turned out they had nothing. So in other words, the, the defense as yeah. so often in the Trump administration, <laughs> it was total incompetence. We couldn't even manage okay, the yeah, collusion, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, John It's Trump. like it turned out there was I, nothing we could... I didn't you know, know who was like, in my office. It'd like the guy coming to you and you're saying, oh, I didn't like this, 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 I'll this bet you, porn. I'll, like, I'll oh. bet
0: you a bottle of Jack Daniels, a force all over, <clears throat> Donald Trump says, it was a great, it was the greatest meeting ever. <laughs> Only we could have done this meeting.
1: But, I mean, isn't it amazing the Democrats cannot keep a real scandal going? When we heard about Benghazi for four years...
4: I'm sorry. No, no, I'm here. (laughs) Preach, Bill, preach!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I heard you say
4: (laughs) Amen, brother. That was your amen behind it. Amen, Bill! Amen! (laughs) Amen. it's true, though. We've yeah. been through... All we do is investigations. All we've talked about with the past oh, three presidents is, was, is investigations, yes. and suddenly it's like,
0: this is a waste of time. Yeah. Is, I mean, you know why this... I think I, I think I know why this... I think I have a theory about why this is. I think the, the Democrats do have a long historical memory, which is not always a great thing. Um, and I think they remember McCarthy. And I think that McCarthy, not Charlie, although that's what Trump would think,
1: uh, is... <laughs> He thinks Jenny.
0: Well, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. But we're living in a Roy Cohn era, right? McCarthy's lawyer. We don't even have to make this up. Joe McCarthy's lawyer was Donald Trump's lawyer. It's not even a jump over a dot. And mentor. It's and mentor who was the master of inventing a headline and saying, we're chasing yep. a witness. Right. They <laughs> never find that witness. <laughs> you know? But they... Just, of keeping... It was, it was a tabloid sensibility. And I think that for a long time... Let's say us see if you this, Democrats have been worried about investigative stories because they think of it as a McCarthyite undertaking. What they have not learned is that, guess what? Watergate all turned out to be true. Yeah. Right. And so I think they jump over Watergate in a way that's not helpful.
1: You're not crying wolf if there's a wolf. Exactly. (laughs) Gotta go to New Rules. I wish we could stay all night. You boys are a lot of fun, but New Rules, everybody. All right, New Rule. If North Korea's generals get so many medals, they have no more room on their jackets. Their worst threat isn't starvation, it's great inflation. (laughs) Guys, you had one war 65 years ago when it was a tie. You don't look like a noble warrior, you look like a gay elevator. (laughs) Could someone press eight for me? Thank you. New Roll restaurants must tell me how giving me this when I ask for pepper is any better than just saying, fuck off. (laughs) Even packages of airline pretzels are like, really? (laughs) New rule, Uber has to stop running those ads for recruiting drivers that say, get your side hustle on. It's not a side hustle, it's a part-time job with shitty pay, lousy benefits, and no future. You could run virtually the same ad for recruiting prostitutes. (laughs) Need some extra cash, girl? Get your side hustle on with (laughs) Pimp Daddy Leah. New rule, young people thinking of buying the new Stripper scent, air freshener have to think again. You're smoking weed in your room. There's a knock at the door. Are you kids getting high in there? No, Mom, it's just strippers. <laughs> New rule Vladimir Putin has to admit he doctored, he doctored this vacation photo. And not just to make your stomach look tighter, Vlad. You airbrushed out whole parts of the original. <laughs> And And finally, uh, new rule, it's time to change the symbol of the Republican Party from this to this. (laughs) Because that's all they are now. Trolls. People who get off on provoking other people who are trying to have an adult conversation. Americans keep wondering, why is it that all this White House seems to do is pick childish fights when we have so many big problems? Why is Trump still attacking Hillary? She's not in office. All you have to do, drive her out of the woods? Republicans had seven years to come up with a health care plan. Why don't they have one? Oh, snowflakes. (laughs) Trolls don't have health care plans. They write, lazy lived moochers want health care? Try getting a job. That is their health care plan. Because they're not well. If the other side is shedding liberal tears, it doesn't matter if you crash the health insurance market or the prisons overflow or Putin takes Italy. Look at all those snowflakes whining. We did that. That's why Trump made Scott Pruitt, the EPA's biggest critic, head of the EPA. Republicans used to be against lead in the drinking water. Now they're happy to poison their children if it'll make Al Gore sad. Why does Trump love coal? Same reason there are people out there now intentionally modifying their trucks to produce more air pollution. Republicans aren't an opposition party now. They're the Democrats' crazy (laughs) (laughs) ex-girlfriend. And job one, job only, is to make liberals freak. Like carrying assault rifles into a restaurant. Or a snowball into Congress. Or suddenly tweeting for no reason that transgender people are now banned from the military. You think Trump cares who serves in our military? As long as it's not him, he's good. (laughs) People say, why does Trump tweet so much? Those tweets are a distraction. No, the tweets are the whole point. Governing is the distraction. (laughs) You remember this picture? Trump, right after he fired Comey, welcoming the Russian spymaster into the Oval Office to give our intel to him? A move that left most people stunned. But not his people. Their reaction wasn't, OMG, what a traitor. It was, LOL, what a troll. (laughs) Puppet, you're the puppet. Anytime you see that shit-eating grin, you know it's troll time. (laughs) Here it is again a couple of months ago when Trump invited to the White House the Axis of Stupid. (laughs) Kid Rock, Ted Nugent, and Sarah Palin, the denarius stillborn of the House of Pancakes. (laughs) And Sarah Palin perfectly defined her party's transformation that day when she said of liberals, it's really funny to me to see their splody heads keep splodin'. Ha (laughs) ha ha, Sarah, splodin', just like your meth lab. (laughs) Ten years ago, trolls weren't even a thing. Or if they were, we had a different word. Sadist. Now they run the country. And by run it, I mean can't and won't. That's our show. I will be at the Microsoft right here in L.A. October 7th. I want to thank John Meacham, Fareed Zakaria, Jim Parsons, Richard Dawkins. Join us now on Overtime on YouTube. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.